Good morning from the Financial Times. Today is Wednesday, July 13th, and this is your FT News Briefing. The latest U.S. inflation numbers are due out today. Top U.S. banks report earnings later in the week, and U.S. President Joe Biden will visit Saudi Arabia, a country he's criticized for human rights violations. The invasion of Ukraine and oil prices has kind of forced him to, you know, reconsider that position and and pursue a more realist foreign policy. Plus, European leaders are starting to worry that all those weapons they sent to Ukraine could end up on the black market. I'm Mark Filipino, and here's the news you need to start your day. U.S. President Joe Biden heads to the Middle East today. He'll meet with Israeli and Palestinian leaders first, but the bigger focus is on his stop later in the week in Saudi Arabia. He wants help lowering oil prices. It's become a political liability for him back home. Here's our U.S. foreign affairs correspondent, Felicia Schwartz. He is hoping to convince the Saudis and other Gulf countries more broadly, but Saudi is, of course, the head of OPEC, to pump more oil because gas prices are so high. There might not be some huge announcement at the summit on that front, but it will definitely come up and they're hoping to see some progress in the future. The visit to Saudi Arabia is a tricky U-turn for Biden. The U.S. president threatened to punish Saudi Arabia after the 2018 murder of journalist Jamal Khashoggi. The murder was linked to Saudi Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman, Biden will meet with MBS on this week's trip. So I think one of the ways that we know that this is so sensitive is uh, what his team has said is that, you know, he will see MBS in the context of this meeting of other leaders, like that King Salman, who is the king of Saudi Arabia, that MBS is part of his leadership team and he'll see him in that capacity. So the Saudis obviously see this meeting between MBS and Biden is an important way to kind of get him out of the penalty box after everything that happened with Khashoggi. So it is very sensitive because on the campaign trail, the president promised that he would make a pariah out of Saudi Arabia. He was very critical of the human rights record of MBS and the government more broadly. He vowed not to sell them weapons. And, you know, the reality of the invasion of Ukraine and oil prices has kind of forced him to, you know, reconsider that position and and pursue a more realist foreign policy and deal with these guys. Felicia Schwartz is the FT's U.S. foreign affairs correspondent. Thanks, Felicia. Thanks for having me. New U.S. inflation numbers are due out today. Prices for June are expected to have risen nearly 9% over last year. The new data could add to the pressure on U.S. central bankers to raise interest rates more aggressively. But you know who would like that? Banks. The biggest U.S. banks report quarterly earnings this week, and they're expected to show bumper earnings from lending. Here's our U.S. banking editor, Josh Franklin. Basically, the big banks like J.P. Morgan and Bank of America, which... um, hope to make billions of dollars from lending. Basically, they're benefiting from the green shoots of rising interest rates, which have enabled them to charge more for the loans that they do make. Um, And it's a kind of two rising tides as well. It's not just rising interest rates, but also there's good demand for loans as well. So that's really benefiting the, the banks at the moment. So Josh, rising rates may be good for banks right now, but there's also a risk that, you know, they could push the country into a recession, which would be bad for banks, right? 
It's a really strange moment for for banks. Earnings per share, which is one of the main metrics to gauge financial performance, will look pretty solid. They'll probably, for most banks, be down in comparison to 2021 when banks had a blockbuster year. But certainly if you compare it to to pre-pandemic levels, it'll look pretty decent. You have strong activity in the trading divisions at places like Goldman Sachs and Morgan Stanley that have benefited from from market volatility. But where things get more complicated is the outlook. And basically, investors are punishing bank stocks at the moment because they see a recession potentially on the horizon, and that's an environment when banks typically don't do well. So that's going to be an area that investors and the market are going to be watching very closely what banks guide for on the outlook that they're expecting for the next 12, 18 months. Josh Franklin is the FT's U.S. banking editor. Western countries have sent billions of dollars in weapons to Ukraine to support the country's fight against Russia. We're talking rifles, ammo, portable rocket launchers, and armored vehicles. But there's growing concern that some of the weapons are being smuggled out of Ukraine and sold on European black markets. I'm joined now by Henry Foy. He's our European diplomatic correspondent. Hey, Henry. Hey, Mark. Henry, what happens to weapons after they cross the border into Ukraine? Are they tracked? Well, at the moment, no. The weapons go across the border in a variety of ways. A lot of it is kept secret for security reasons. The problem is we, the Western countries are saying, look, we have to take your word for it that all of these weapons end up in the hands of your soldiers and are used in the war effort and that none of them are getting lost, getting mislaid, or indeed being sold off to traders and then re-exported back into the EU. That's become an increasingly large worry for EU and NATO governments. What sparked these concerns? Why is this emerging as an issue now? So first thing to say is that when you have a big war, there is normally weapons leakage. Europol, which is the EU's law enforcement agency, in April put out a report where they flagged this issue. They said there were short, medium, and long-term risks to the EU's security, and that their investigations suggested that arms trafficking had already began back in in April. Ministers in the EU and in NATO have been discussing this more and more and more. Just this week, there was a meeting in Prague where this issue was front and center, and the EU on Tuesday launched what they called a, a support hub for Moldova, which borders Ukraine, where trying to tackle arms trafficking over the border is one of the major focuses. And is Ukraine concerned about this? What's their response like? So for Ukraine, uh, I think the issues are are twofold. The first is any suggestion that they're not using all the weapons uh, to fight uh, the Russians is a slight on their character, and they're obviously not best pleased with that. But secondly, they're worried that that stories such as these and, and, and any kind of fears amongst Western governments that these weapons aren't being used properly could reduce the amount of weapons being sent. It's important to say here that Western governments aren't threatening any at any point to stop this weapons flow. All they want is a bit more oversight and a bit more transparency over where they're going so they can be sure that these are being uh, used in Ukraine, they're not going to come back. But also, more importantly, they can be sure what's most important, what needs to be sent uh, uh, in advance and what needs to be sent in larger quantities. So is there anything else that Western powers can do to prevent or crack down on weapon smuggling? Western governments, European governments are also keen to tighten up border controls to make sure that checks are more are more stringent and that everyone that's coming across the border, refugees, transport vehicles, etc., are being thoroughly checked. Of course, the problem with that is this comes at the same time as the grain crisis, where countries are desperate to get as much grain out of Ukraine as possible. And for that, European countries have actually lowered the threshold for customs checks. There's a problem, a push and a pull factor here, and, and Western countries are having to work out what's their priority. Henry Foy is the FT's European diplomatic correspondent. 
Thank you, Henry. Thanks so much. Before we go, want a chance at making some quick money? We're running a survey to help us understand how you guys use the news you read in the FT or hear on FT podcasts. If you complete the survey, you'll automatically be entered for a chance to win a thousand pounds or the equivalent in your local currency. Just head to ft.com slash 2022 survey. That's ft.com slash 2022 survey. We'll put that link in our show notes. You can read more on all of these stories at FT.com. This has been your daily FT News Briefing. Make sure you check back tomorrow for the latest business news. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has experienced teams who can craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex. Real wealth requires real solutions. Connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's Corient.com. Hi, this is Matt and Sean from Two Black Guys with good credit. From a local business to a global corporation. Partnering with Bank of America gives your operation access to exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful, you'll make every move matter. Visit bankofamerica.com slash banking for business to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America, N.A., copyright 2024.